It is the rush on the refs. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. He is our favorite guest. He joins us every single Tuesday at 320. He's Coach Bob Stoops, brought to you by Yo Pablo on Campus Corner. Bob, good to talk to you this week. Uh, do I have this right? Were you at the softball game on Sunday? Uh, I was. A uh, fantastic game. Uh, of course, our ladies know how to be great in the clutch and pull it out. And uh, But it was a great atmosphere, a great day for a game, and it was fun to be there. They're special, man. They're special. And just kind of like building on that point, though, What's it like, because they won the championship last year, they come into this season as, you know, they're the preseason number one, um, you know, and everyone obviously is gunning for them, and there's, there's really, it's usually more of the outside noise, everyone asking you constantly about winning a championship, and are you going to go undefeated, and all those things. How difficult is that as, as a coach to try and navigate? Well, it's difficult. It's different with football. You know, you, you, you know, with the BCS, you almost had to go undefeated or you were risking not being in. And, you know, it's a little different when you play as many games as they play. So I almost feel like it's okay to lose a game or two early or, you know, when, when it really isn't going to make that much of a difference. But, uh, but you get everybody's best shot. Um, you know, we were kind of, we were pretty used to that, you know, as you know. And, uh, and I know Patty and her group, they know they're getting everyone's best shot. So whatever statistics you see with other games, just be aware that it'll be, it's going to be a tougher shot, tougher challenge for us. And um, I, thought the, I thought the Baylor pitcher did a heck of a job. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm no expert on it, but. Just moving the ball around, not giving us any, you know, nice ones to hit and tight enough and close enough to swing at. I thought she was incredible. Bob Stoops is our guest. Be sure to check out uh, the full line of rock and roll tequila. By the way, guys, tell me what you think about this. I was out on the town this weekend at a certain establishment. This place had a drink called the Coach's Box. Here's what the Coach's Box is. Rock and roll mango tequila shot dropped in a cerveza with orange. Teddy, could you get down with that? Uh, hey, I can get down with that. It just has to be the right day with the right things going it's, on later, you know? <laughs> it's it's best with Modelo. I'll give Modelo a little shout-out. Shout out. So, I love but, uh, that. Anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a quick little, uh, you know, you pour a half of a beer in there and then drop the, drop the shot. So it isn't too much to take down. Yeah. Hey, um, there, there was a video yesterday, Bob, of Brent's in practice, and he's with the linebackers, and he's going through a drill, and he's animated. He's kind of getting after it with these linebackers, which I, I know a lot of OU fans like. I'm curious from your perspective, you go from a, a position coach to a defensive coordinator, and then now you're hired as a head coach. What was it like that spring? How did you handle going from a position coach or a defensive coordinator, maybe used to overseeing one particular position, to going to a head coach where maybe you have more of a role of overseeing the entire team? You know, they're just more to take control of. But when you've been in a leadership position as a coordinator, it's the same thing. Now instead of just talking and motivating the defense, you're talking to everybody. He's used to it. He's been doing it a long time. Uh, they, um, Marcus, they asked me, I was in an interview not long ago about Marcus Freeman, the 
head coach at Notre Dame and how tough it will be to now be the head coach. I said, I don't think it'll be tough for him at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's been in a leadership position and has been darn good at it, just like Brent is. It's not that much different, I don't feel. Listen, when you're calling defenses and offenses and you've had that pressure of game and been in national championships and been in, been in the heat of the moment in big games and you're a decision maker, this is no different. I, I, don't, I don't think, you know, people that have been in these kind of, these big situations and have been making decisions, all of a sudden now being the head coach, I don't think it's, it's that big a deal to those people. I know I never felt it was that big a deal to me. I'm, I'm guessing that, it, you know, as far as the ball is concerned, football-wise, it's probably not that much different. You know, you're, you're in the, the meetings and talking about game plan and practice schedule and who's going to play where and all that stuff. It's probably, it's probably all the other things surrounding the football team that, that are well, the difference. You're exactly right. The football piece of it is very similar, but uh, everything coming at you from all angles – there's just more to deal with, more decisions to be made, and you get used to that. You know that you you know that comes with the territory. But there is a lot more coming at you. That part of it is definitely different. But the on-field stuff, I never felt was all that all that challenging or that much difficult. When you hire good coaches around you and that are with you and know your know the style of ball you want to play. Now. One of the things that, that's been talked about here through the spring is, you know, they were talking about some guys back returning punts and returning kickoffs and some conversations started there. And, you know, it's been quite a while since Oklahoma had a, a return for a touchdown on the special teams units. And the rules have changed. And, you know, some of the some of the, the ways that you approach some of the special teams because of the rules rule changes – have kind of affected it. So how how much more difficult is it today, maybe than whenever you took over as head coach, to, to make special teams a, a really big factor in, in what you do as a football team? Well, it's, it, they're always a factor, but, you know, let's, let's be truthful here. Every team in the country, you might be lucky to re- return one a year, right? I yeah. mean, I, I think people make a little too much of it. Now, don't get me wrong, you can't be returning kickoffs and average being inside the 20. You know, that isn't going to work, but you're motivated now to fair catch it and always get it at the 25 if you have any doubt whatsoever. I see, I'd laugh at I, I bet go back and chart it. Half of the guys, if you catch the ball inside the five-yard line to the goal line or goal line and in and you return it, I bet 90% of the time they don't get it to the 25. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, sometimes the odds are take what they're giving you, um, you know. And uh, same thing, I you know I think with you know punt returns, I I always erred on the side of you know once we had a good lead, I had great better quarterbacks than everybody usually with Bradford, with Jason White, with Baker, on and on. Just give me the ball. I, I'm not going to take a chance. I remember being up at Colorado. Got up two scores at Colorado. Well, you think Gary Barnett's just going to lay over and, and, and play dead? Mm-hmm. Mid, mid, late third quarter? No, he's not. He thought, this is my only chance. He ran, I ran the punt return, and he sure enough faked it on us and got the first down and scored three, four plays later. Now it's a one-possession game. When all I had to do 
is leave the defense out there, fair catch the ball. Mark Clayton, you know, fair catch it, and all of a sudden, Jason White and our crew probably would have scored again. Now it's a three-score game. So people don't take that into account either. I saw I saw Iowa State. Make the, we're up two possessions late in the third quarter or, yeah, or early fourth. When Iowa State at home, what'd they do? Everyone forgets. They ran a fake punt on us and got it, and then they scored. Now it's a one-possession game, and we're holding on to our, you, you know, whatever you want to tell at the end of the game, trying to hold on and win. If we would have kept the defense, went punt safe, fair caught the ball, up two touchdowns, game isn't as tight. So there's a lot of, lot of little strategy, too, that, you know, that, that goes every time you're going to return something, you're also vulnerable to a fake, depending on who it is and what, what the situation is. Now, early on, you know, there, there was, gosh, a lot of fakes going on, a lot of, a lot of blocks, and, and, you know, the, the punt situation is different. It, it was way easier to block a punt then. So is, is it, was it kind of like as you got a more sound football team that maybe you didn't have to take those risks, you were able to, uh, to lessen them? I, I did. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. When, I was at Kent, when I was at Kansas State, we had a very poor offense, or very average. That's a better way of saying it. Uh, in my, my later years before I went to Florida, so it would have been in uh, you know the early, say, the late 80s, early 90s, and we, we went after blocks all the time to try and create field position and create offense. Well, when, when we're here with the quarterbacks and the offenses we've had, why would I take a chance roughing the, the, the punter and giving them an extra set of series and not have the ball back? I did that, you remember, my first year at Notre Dame. We're, we're up uh, three scores, 17, and we, we had rushed one guy. He ran into the punter. On, on about the 50-45 yard line, they end up scoring that series, and we end up losing the game. It gave them all the momentum. So everyone, oh, yeah, go block everything. Yeah, until you start running into the punter and giving up a whole other set of downs, and you take that set of downs away from your great offense. Yeah. So the better offenses I had, it was like, just give me the ball back, and, and I'll take my chances. You don't, you don't have to always create a block you know when you're when you're when you're that efficient offensively. Last question, Bob. Um, it's my favorite off-season tradition for the NFL and college football. It seems like we're always talking about a overtime rule change with both leagues. We're doing that today with the NFL. Uh, what's your ideal overtime setting for college football? Because it seems well, I, I guess just two years ago they, they changed the way that college overtime even works now. Yeah, I, I think. My, my, my opinion would be that you should earn your, rather than putting the ball at the 25, put it at the 45 and make, your, make the team earn a field goal or a touchdown as opposed to just handing it a field goal to you at the 25. I was, I was in an overtime game in 97 at Tennessee uh, with Florida. And um, at, at Tennessee – we, uh, they had the ball first. They get the ball at the 25, and uh, we back them up five. Say, I can't remember exactly, but they didn't get a yard. We back them up. The guy makes a long field goal. Florida gets the ball. We get the ball Florida. We drive to right around the 10-yard line. Our guy missed the field goal. So bottom line, the overtime didn't reward defense. 
Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it does. You get, you get you back them up five yards, or they run it two three times. You back them up three yards, sack them on, sack them on third down, whatever. Now all of a sudden, if you start at the forty or forty five, all of a sudden you don't have an automatic field goal. So, to me, that would shorten it as well. There wouldn't be as many kick a field goal, kick a field goal, kick a field goal, or mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a little harder to touchdown touchdown when you start from the. 40 or 45. So point, my feeling has always been you should have to earn your points. Yeah. No, I like it because, you know, if, if you're out there on the outside or even fringe a field goal position and you go backwards, you're probably forced to to go for a, a fourth down. That's a low percentage. And, you know, you don't yeah. get that. Then you're talking about looking at a good chance of ending the football game fairly quickly. No, no I, I like that. The, the chances are – uh, we'll probably get there at some point, but we'll change it about 30 times between now and getting oh, yeah, to that sure. scenario. Uh, with that being said, though, I can't let uh, Bob get out of here without asking how Coach Spurrier's new restaurant in Gainesville Oh, was. yeah. How was that? It was fantastic. Uh, Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. It's the largest restaurant bar in uh, Florida. Uh, it's, it started in the fall, and it's been packed. It's doing great. Uh, great, great fun, great food. Um the, the bar up top, which was sensational, at top of the whole restaurant, open air, and uh, looks out to the city and all, visors. And he's got, about, he's got about 200 visors that make the shape of a V as you come in. Uh-huh. Nice. So, uh, so anyway, uh, it was great, great fun to see Coach Spurrier and his wife, Jerry. And uh, they were having, they were introducing the basketball, new basketball coach there as well. And so there was a lot of uh, people that I had been associated with, the former athletic director, Jeremy Foley, and on and on. So it was a fun contingent of Gators there that they've always been great to me that were fun to visit with and see as well. Well, Good stuff, Coach. We appreciate you stopping by. We know you're busy. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Great to be with you. All right. Thanks, Coach.